These are busy days. I don't know if you're finding them busy days, but uh, we got some neat things coming up. You know, right now, as I'm speaking, um, a lot of our children are over at the Cameron Park over here, and they're filming. They're preparing a video to show during the Christmas time. And so, you know, Christmas is just around the corner. Here we are, October 1st today. We're getting into the fall season here. Fun thing, a lot of things going on. I mean, it's amazing. Even UCLA won yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> I can invite you to take out your connection card. That's on the, in front of your pew. And um, we appreciate if everyone would fill one out, especially if this is your first, second time. We'd, we'd love to uh, have you fill out a card. Just leave it on your pew. We'll pick it up after the service. And uh, if then on the back, there's ways if you have any questions, anything we can do for you, uh, please just write that on the back and uh, we'll give that attention. As you're doing that, let me share some announcements with you. Um, on your uh, bulletin, you will see some different things, like today is a special congregational meeting. Uh, for those who are able to stay, we invite you to stay after the service today. Uh, there's, there's no lunch, so some of you are probably... Are you leaving right now? <laughs> well, there's no lunch after service today, and we're having a special congregational meeting, and we'll be uh, uh, voting and talking about uh, Pastor Steve. Um, also, if you uh, look at your bulletin, there's a neat thing going on, Women's Metro Trip and Library Tour. LA Central Library, I've always wanted to go in there. I've never been in there, and it must be beautiful. It's big, must have a big high ceiling. I, I don't know, but uh, it's a woman's metro trip. This Saturday, also this Saturday, they're stuffing goodie bags. So um, Carol, uh, Carol will be leading that, stuffing goodie bags today. I know Glenn's going to be uh, marking, I think, um, this coming Saturday, marking the course for our, our Pumpkin 5K run that we coordinate uh, for the uh, City of West Covina and the sen uh, Senior Center. So a lot of good things coming up, cleanup days coming up. Uh, but in regards to the 5K, I want to mention some things. Uh, we are in need of uh, some people for certain responsibilities at the race. Uh, I'm looking for four people who can commit to being at the race to help with the finish line. Uh, we have the Southern California Roadrunners who coordinate that. But uh, they, are, uh, they are asking if we could supply four people to help their team in, in, uh, t in, t in uh, collecting the tags and, the t and doing the timing, just uh, uh, putting down the right time for these runners as they finish the line. So if you like to be one of those four, it's kind of a fun thing to do. The runners come on in into the chute, and you just look at the time and write it down. You know, if you're willing to help us in that way, I'd appreciate you letting me know. Also, we need a, a, a good number of people for our course. Uh, we have uh, uh, the course, which is three miles, 3.1 miles, and uh, the people we're looking for will be working on the course. In other words, Lisa will, will, will station you in different places on the course, and you'll be there to make sure cars don't turn in the wrong way and maybe hold a sign up saying, keep on going, or, you know, you, you got 10 miles to go, or whatever you want to say. Um, but but just to help on the course. And uh, uh, we, need that, we need a good number of people for that. And uh, Andrew, we have a sign-up sheet in that for you for that. What is that, what is that titled? Course, uh, 
Traffic? Oh, course direction. Okay, so that would be on the table on the foyer if you would like to help in that. The one, the one thing that you have to keep in mind, if you're going to help with the course, I ask you to be at the senior center before 7 o'clock. You can come in your pajamas. doesn't matter to me. <laughs> but be at the senior center before 7 o'clock because the police will come at 7 o'clock and then we'll all coordinate together and talk about the course together. Okay? So uh, if you can help in, in any of those ways, that's really great. Come on out. And even if you're not signed up to do anything, you know, any responsibility, come on out to the Senior Center on October 14th and just participate. There's going to be a whole bunch of businesses from the city of West Covina in the parking lot there, and they're going to be, have different demonstrations and, and different things they're handing out, and, and uh, it's a really a big city thing. And so uh, we're working right along with the city. Yeah, we're the key coordinator for the race. But the city is uh, tacking on a lot of different fun things that just make it a bigger event for them. Okay? So, if you have your Bible, I invite you to open up to Matthew chapter 23. As you're doing that, know that we are continuing our series of Not a Fan. And hope that you are getting into it. I hope that you are into it. Because there's journaling that should be done every day. And what this Not a Fan um, uh, topic does, it helps us to... Just focus in for all these weeks on that one major question. You know, are you a follower of Jesus? And so on Sundays, we are continuing this series, and we are taking, like, I'm taking a scripture uh, from each chapter, and I'm preaching from that. And so each time you see me up here, I'm preaching from uh, some, some scripture that they have within the books for Not a Fan. Okay? So look at Matthew chapter 23. I'm going to read verses 1 through 3, just those verses, and then we'll have a time of prayer. Matthew 23, 1 through 3. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, The teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat, so you must obey them and do everything they tell you, but do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for um, this not a fan book and, and uh, a series that we're going through. Father, uh, we, we see it as uh, something that every believer needs to, to think about and seriously look at, at where their life is in regards to our, uh, a life of commitment for you. So Lord, as we look at these verses, we pray that you'll speak to us. Each one of us is in a different place. And so you know how to best communicate these truths to us. So we depend on that, Father. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We have a short period of time today uh, because of our, our, uh, we're taking the Lord's Supper today. But uh, I want you to think about, what do you think of when I say reality check? Reality check. It's usually something that doesn't last a long time. Uh, by definition, it's basically talked about as a moment. It's a moment that reminds us of how things really are. That's a reality check. It's not according to what you think. It's not according to what you hear other people say. It's not according to what you grew up with. A reality check is, is, is a moment that shows you exactly where, where something is or what something is right then. Take, for example... When you step on that bathroom scale, 
boom, that is a reality check, man, right there. When you open up that credit card statement, oh, see, that's a reality check. Those are reality checks. And, and basically, this is what we're, we're dealing with today. We're dealing with a list of, of, of uh, let's say, accusations from Jesus Christ against the religious leaders of the Jews of his time. And what it is, in many ways, it's a reality check. It's for the people who hear this to understand that, hey, maybe what we have been hearing about, or maybe even what I'm living, isn't really what God wants. So, let's get into this. In the spirit of not a fan, you know, we're going to get into this. And I want us to look at these seven accusations or observations by Jesus. And I want them, I want you to think of it in regards to our 21st century world. And maybe there's, there's one or two of these things that I'm going to be mentioning that really speak to you. You know, none of us are perfect. All of us are walking the life we, th- we think we want to walk with the Lord. And this is a reality check to say, hey, is what I am doing really what God wants me to do? And so I want you to kind of personalize this as we go forward. And we're going to go forward pretty rapid fire because if we don't have much time, we're talking about seven points here. We're just going bam, bam, bam. We're going to hit these things. But notice that when Jesus talks about them, they're, they're these, things, these seven points are known as the seven woes. They're called woes because that's the sorrow that's attached to the feet of those who live like this. Jesus is saying, oh, man, <laughs> if, if you live like this, oh, whoa, whoa, it is so sad. It's sad. So let's go on. Let's get into this. Matthew 23. We're going to hit the first one, verse 13. Let's look at Matthew 23 and look at verse 13. Starts right off there. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You shut the kingdom of heaven in men's faces. You yourselves do not enter, nor will you let those enter who are trying to. What is the woe here? What is Jesus saying? They don't know God. Jesus is saying, here are these religious leaders, the ones who are, who are looked upon by the community, those who are supposed to be closest to God, or understand God, are walking with God, and he, Jesus is saying, they don't really know God. And since they don't know God, they can't help anyone else know God. What does God say? Simply says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. God says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. And the process, just going through some basic Christianity here, the process to know God is, starts off with, with understanding who God is, then, then developing a trust in what you're, you're finding out about God, and finally to believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, to take that step of faith and say, yeah, I believe he died for me, yeah. I want a life with God. I want to, right here, I want to experience God. And you do that through faith in Jesus Christ. See, no amount of church, no amount of giving of money, no amount of, 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 
of any good works can replace faith in Jesus Christ. Only faith in Jesus Christ triggers that whole process of the washing of our sins, that Christ died on the cross for us and builds that bridge for us to enter into a life with God, to enter into the kingdom. So, number one, they don't know God. They thought they did. They don't know God. Let's go on to number two. Look at verse 14. Oh, you don't have 14 in your Bible, do you? You may not, because in some, some, some translations, they looked at that, that they, they kind of wavered on whether that should be considered in, in, the, um, in the scriptures when they look at the manuscript and the dating and everything. So, I, so let's look at 14. 14, I thought, was a very good one. It says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You devour widows' houses, and for a show make lengthy prayers. In other words, they abuse their power. They abuse their power. How'd you like me to stand up here and pray for an hour and a half? You guys like that? Of course not. But you're going to say, oh man, I got to sit here. That's right, I'm abusing my power, right? Okay, but the early part of this verse talks about something that was very just evil back in those days. Jesus saw that the religious leaders, especially the scribes, were abusing their power. Realize the scribes were like the lawyers of the day. And back in, the, in those days, you had the civil law and you had the law of Moses that were kind of meshed together. So you had these scribes that were looked at as religious. Why? Because they understood the law. And so what was happening back in those days when there was a transfer of property? Let's take, for example, it talks about widows. Let's say a, a, woman hus a woman's husband dies, and there's a question of who owns the property. The scribes can come in, and sometimes they were bribed by some other party, maybe even a relative, in which they would maneuver or, or, or manipulate the situation where the property would go to someone else and not to the widow. It was abuse of power. It was a, just an evil thing. And Jesus points us out. Now, can we abuse power? As a Christian, can you abuse power? Have you ever used scripture to get your way? Have you ever talked to your little kid and used scripture? You know, you ever say that only kids with, with 4.0 GPAs go to heaven? You know, see, we, we can manipulate things, even little things like, like going to church or, or, or reasons why we do things. There's ways we can we can make Christianity something in someone's eyes that it isn't. And that's not why God saved us. And I can, Pastor Corey and I, we can abuse our power here in a lot of different ways. Sunday school teachers can do that too. Any parent could too. So this is just a warning. They were warned by Jesus because they abused their power. They had this spiritual knowledge but they abused it and used it in the wrong way. Let's go on. Number three. Look at verse 15. Verse 15. Woe to you teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You travel over land and sea to win a single convert, and when you, he becomes one, you make him twice as much a son of hell 
as you are. Man, these are really strong words, aren't they? You know. So, so in other words, Jesus is saying, he's accusing these, these leaders, they lead sincere seekers of God astray. They're people who have a sincere heart to know God. But through various things they say and do, they're actually leading them astray. And how do we do that? We can do that in our 21st century Christianity very easily. Because whether you know it or not, when you tell people, when your family knows that you go to church and they look at you as a Christian, they may be watching you and listening to you. And the things you do and say can give them the impression that that's Christianity. And it could lead them astray. See, back in, the, back in those days, when someone came, wanted to know God, the, the, the religious leaders piled on them a lot of things they had to do and a lot of things they couldn't do anymore. And it was just a burdensome life. And, and it probably scared some away. And it led others down a whole different path to what they thought was knowing God to not knowing God at all. Jesus said for people who do things like this, that lead those who are truly seeking God astray. He said it is better for you to have a millstone tied around your neck and you tossed into the deepest part of the ocean. In other words, don't do it. Be mindful. Be mindful. Your testimony. You know, know, say you're a Christian, and live it. Number four, let's look at number four. Look at verses 16 and 17. Woe to you, blind guides. You say, if anyone swears by the temple, it means nothing. But if anyone swears by the gold of the temple, he is bound by his oath. Basically what Jesus is saying here is they emphasize money over God. Know that the leadership of the temple back at that time were the Sadducees. And the Sadducees were not real spiritual guys, but they are looked upon by the Jewish people as, as spiritual leaders in the community. Many times money was attached to things that the people had needs for. You ever hear, there are even churches today that if you went to them and you asked the leadership for certain things like prayer or blessing or, or do something like this, there is a, there's kind of an unwritten price list of donations. So, Jesus is saying there was an emphasis on money over God. The heart wasn't right. The heart was, was after gain and not for, for the glory of God. See, money never determines a person's relationship with God. I don't care what anyone thinks. They may give half of all that they own, and it has nothing to do with your relationship with God. It has really nothing to do with your with your blessings from God. When we look at the Bible cover to cover, the one thing that stands out that can lead to blessing in our life is obedience. See, many times obedience, it involves anything. It could involve your time. It can call the way you love someone. It can involve the, the, the need to forgive. It can involve giving money. It can involve so many different things. But when we obey the Lord, Oh, man, that's when blessing comes. See, blessing comes practically in how our life is in this world, but it also comes spiritually 
where God can bless us in special ways. Why? Because we obey. We obey. Let's go to number five. You were going down this list pretty fast, huh? Here we are at number five. Let's look at verse 23. Woe to you teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. Now, let me just stop right there. You notice he always puts in the word hypocrite? You know? And we understand that. That's something that speaks loud and clear to us too, right? Because the last thing we want to be seen as is a hypocrite. We don't want to be seen as someone who says we are this, that, and that. And then when the world looks at us and really gets to know us, we're not. So all these different woes they have, that, that really common thread pulled through us. Jesus saw the religious leaders of his time as hypocrites. Number five. Here we go. Woe to you teachers and of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, cumin. But you have neglected the more important matters of the law. Justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. See, those leaders were very faithful. They probably were very methodical in doing their duties. You're a Sadducee? Okay, then take care of the temple. Make sure the janitor does, cleans it all up. Make sure everything's out at the right time. You know, the sad that those who did their duties, they did it very well, most likely, very faithfully. And so because they did what they were supposed to do well, they figured everything was okay. They figured everything was okay. But see, their hearts lacked the things of God. Their hearts lacked mercy. Mercy, that, that, means, that means you don't give someone what they deserve. Take, for example, here's, we have sometimes people who come to our church and sometimes in a really tough situation. And, not, and some of us, I think, have a tendency to kind of stereotype these people. And we think, oh, go get a job, or why don't you do this, or why don't you do that, you know. But mercy says you, you don't give a person what they deserve. See, mercy in the courtroom, the judge is saying, you may be guilty, but I'm going to put you on this probation. That's mercy. He's not getting what they deserve. And that's what... That's, what, that's a big part of Christianity because mercy is how we are standing the way we are right now before God. That we're not getting what we deserve because of Jesus Christ. So these religious leaders, they lack mercy. They lack compassion. They lack the desire to see justice. The willingness to love society's unlovable wasn't there. They lacked God's heart. And they lacked a heart for God. You know, when I, um, when I came back from Brazil, I remember a pastor, a very experienced pastor, a very veteran pastor. Here I was coming into this church when we were in Baldwin Park. This, this older pastor, experienced pastor, said to me, well, okay, you're on the mission field, but tell me, do you have a pastor's heart? 
And I said, that's a good question. I really don't know. See, in, in Brazil, I worked with, with a church only three to four years, and boom, I was out. I, was, I, you know, I, I moved on because then I handed over to a national pastor. But to go for a church for the long run and to really get to know people and understand their situations and to have God's heart for those people, I said, you know, to be honest, I, I'm not sure. And, um, and so that heart for God is so important, but also that, that, that have God's heart for your neighbor and your family. Okay? So in this case, in verse 23, they put ritual over righteousness. And we can sometimes do that. Sometimes we can do our duties on things that we are responsible to do, and we think that's enough. I don't need to do anymore. I'm cool. Me and God are doing fine. But really, understand that all through the New Testament, Jesus is always referring to the inner man. God is, Jesus is always referring to God working on the inside of a person. That's the real change that needs to take place. Okay? Let's go to numbers, numbers what, six? It's a lot of verses, verses 25 to 27. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisees! First clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside will be clean. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You are like whitewashed tombs which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of dead men's bones and everything unclean. In other words, they do it for the world to see. What Jesus was saying here, you had these religious leaders and everything they did was for appearance. Everything they did was to... Was to, <clears throat> was to to reinforce to the people that they, that they were serving that we are your religious leaders. But, but Jesus goes back to that inner person again, and he's saying, hey, you're not that way inside. A whitewashed tomb, think about how vivid that is. A tomb that is, that is whitewashed, this bright, bright white on the outside for people to see. But inside is what? Death. Jesus is saying, outside, everyone looks at you, you're spiritually alive and pure, but inside, you're really spiritually dead. There's no real spiritual life to you. And that's what he was accusing these leaders of. He says, first clean the inside of the cup and the dish, then the outside will also be clean. And that's God's way. God always, that's, when, that's, that's how it's supposed to begin. What did Jesus say to Nicodemus? He said to Nicodemus, you want to enter the kingdom of heaven? You must be born again. In other words, you have to have that newness from within, like that newborn child. That's brand new. That's that, 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 that's that new creation going to grow and become a, become a man. You want, you want to start there on the inside. 
See, the thing that God knows when I see this in the Bible, he knows that each one of us is a little bit of an actor. Each one of us has the ability to act. And we can act in so many different ways and at so many different times. And what I mean by that is that what people see and hear from us is not truly how we are inside. And what God is saying here, what Jesus is warning us of, you need to get your inside right, and then your outside's going to be right. So it always goes back to God's working and being truly that believer in him. Okay, last one. Look at number 7, 29 and 30. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You build tombs for the prophets and decorate the graves of the righteous, and you say, if we had lived in the days of our forefathers, we would not have taken part with them in shedding the blood of the prophets. Know that when you read in the Old Testament, especially in the time of Jezebel, there was a slaughter of God's prophets. A slaughter. They were just executed with a sword, and uh, they were just piling up the bodies. And the reason why is that at that time, Jezebel was a believer in Baal, God of the Philistines, and so she had all of God's prophets put to death. Not all of them, but most of them. Okay, That's a great story. But the bottom line is that all through history, when the prophets, when people of God spoke, and, there's, and what they spoke was contrary to the, to the rulers in power, they were usually put to death or punished, thrown in jail, whatever. And so these people are saying, hey, we wouldn't have been like that. But what is Jesus saying? They chose not to change. In other words, Jesus is saying that you as the leaders today, you're no different than the ones in the past. You have the same traits as the ones in the past. And really the lesson for us today is that, you know, there's so many, our society is changing so quick. And there's so many different opinions you can get of how a Christian should be. You might get different opinions. Think about 20 years ago, I'd be wearing a tie right now. Right? I'd be wearing a tie and a coat. Matter of fact, when I arrived here in Baldwin Park, I was told, you don't wear sports coats, you wear suits. Okay? I was told, no, this is just 20 years ago. I was told, you've got to wear a suit. I was almost told what color should be. I was like, what is this? You know? Anyway, Christianity is, 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 there's certain things that evolve with Christianity in regards to our society. But realize when it comes to, to, to how God wants you to act, how, what characteristics you should be showing, how you are to love, how you are to worship him, all these different ways. Never forget Martin Luther. And his battle cry was sola scriptura. Now what does that mean? Scripture only. Don't worry about what people are saying. Don't worry about how society is going. You look to God's word, and from God's word, you will understand how you're supposed to be as God's child. That's simple. And that's how the church should be, too. I got this, I like cooking. There's this book in our kitchen called The Joy of Cooking. My mom bought that for my wife years and years ago. That's like a big white book like this. It's like our Bible in the kitchen. The Joy of Cooking book, you can find out anything about everything related to cooking. It's really cool. 
And that's kind of how the Bible is. You want to deal with life and your life with God? Always go back to God's word. See, that's what we are doing here. We want to stay on that track here at this church and all that we do. And when we talk about being a fan or being a follower, the only way you're going to know how to be a follower is by understanding what God says about being a follower. And so that's why we want to bring these series to you. That's why they're connected to Scripture, and that's why I'm up here talking about it right now. Okay? So God bless you guys. Seven woes. Read them over yourself at home, you know, and see how God works in your life on these things. Let's turn. Let's go into our communion time. I went a little bit over today.